Welcome to Stony Brook Church. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us, especially if you're visiting this morning. I am Pastor David Hoffman, and I bring you greetings on behalf of our entire staff, including our preacher for the day, Pastor Jennifer Casey, and our Pastor Emeritus, Bob Thomas. As we begin our time together, you'll find your connection card in your bulletin packet or online at stonybrook.church, and you can use this as a chance to register your attendance with us, to share a prayer concern, find ways to give financially, or register for upcoming events and studies. Several announcements as we gather. Please note uh, a change in our worship schedule for next week, Sunday, December 19th. The worship team is, is planning a special Christmas celebration and word and song, um, and that celebration will be held at 9.30 and 11 o'clock next week. Both services will be identical and will be held here in the sanctuary. Um, it will be led by the chancel choir and instrumentalists and readers. There will be no 8 a.m. service um, next Sunday. So you're invited to uh, come to one of the services as we celebrate together. Also, as we celebrate Christmas Eve here at Stony Brook, uh, there will be a 5 o'clock family service, a 7 o'clock contemporary service, and a 9 o'clock traditional service. And then the Sunday right after Christmas, December 26th, we'll have one blended worship service at 9.30 here in the sanctuary. That service will be pretty creative and you will miss something if you do not show up um, at that service. <laughs> Our missions team reminds us that you're invited to participate in this year's Giving Tree that will support the UMCH Family Services Bridges Program. This uh, program and ministry supports and cares for young adults who have aged out of the foster care system. And our goal is to provide uh, each of the 52 individuals a $25 gift card and an adult uh, board or card game. I did check the tree and there are some left, so we invite you um, to pick one up as you leave today. And you're invited to um, take the tag and then return the game and the gift uh, certificate on or before next Sunday. Friends, as our thoughts and prayers extend uh, to those who lost loved ones and whose properties were damaged by the tornadoes and high winds um, this past weekend, UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, is already there on the ground providing assistance. And as with any disaster, donations to UMCOR are greatly appreciated and are always welcome. You may make your donation through stonybrook.church give or by um, designated UMCOR on your check this morning. Jason Sheldon reminds us that Stony Brook will be holding a confirmation class beginning the week of January the 9th, and the class will meet through the end of March. Students eight, grades seven through nine are encouraged to participate and then join and become members of Stony Brook Church. If you'd like more information, you can go to stonybrook.church youth, or you can register with Jason Sheldon. The last announcement uh, today, um, to accommodate the increasing worship attendance, the virus task force and your leadership board have decided beginning next week to remove uh, the pew time designation signs. And we're still encouraged to use all of the sanctuary and all the narthex to spread out um, in the worship space. And the use of masks remains uh, strongly encouraged while we are gathered here inside. Friends, this truly is the day that God has given to us. I invite us now to settle into worship and to hear um, this great carol.
we watch and wait for Christ's coming. We light this candle in hope. We light this candle for peace. And we light this candle in joy. To those who live as exiles, the Lord speaks the joy of good news. A reading from Zephaniah 3. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord, your God, is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. Let us pray together. God, God of, of hope, hope Prince, Prince of, of Peace, peace joy of our hearts. We trust in you and will not be afraid. You are our strength and our salvation. For you we rejoice. We sing praises to you, O God, for you are glorious. Prince of peace, joy of our hearts, into our darkness come. seated. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we admit that it is difficult to be silent 
and even to focus, especially during this season, for we want too much and want to do so much. And so much is expected of us that we are pulled in different directions. Oh God, you already know how our expectations exceed reality and how our hopes and desires surpass possibility. And yet, even as we confess this, we find ourselves celebrating the season filled with hope and expectation of that beyond our most creative imaginations. God, we do thank you for this gift, this time of worship, and for this season of Advent which stirs and excites us. Oh God, help us. Help us to pray for the gift of light which we celebrate at Christmas. We do need light, O oh God, for we are people who walk in darkness, living by trial and error, bouncing from one obstacle to another, stumbling, groping, hoping, failing, falling. Sometimes we even walk in circles to avoid the unfamiliar which we fear is darkness. And, oh God, we have tried desperately to generate our own light, using our own minds and our best resources to make sense out of life. We have even written laws to protect it and to protect us. We have called councils and composed creeds to uphold it. We have lived by following our own ways. But... Hard as it is to admit, our light is not enough. It is never enough. We still have wars and people are hungry and hurt, afraid and running alone and unhappy with darkness closing in. God, forgive us. Turn us on to the light of life, the light of the world whose coming we celebrate as the gift of Christmas, let us open our lives to receive it. And oh God, help us to share this gift of light and this gift of life with others, with those who are anxious and afraid, with those who are ill, with those who are facing difficult decisions, with those who are feeling left out and alone, with those suffering loss and from destruction, with those mourning losses, especially those who feel deeply because of seasons past. Oh God, help us to share this gift of light this gift of life with others. And even with those who are feeling incredibly grateful and are filled with joy this day because of new news. Oh God, you know us and all about us. Help us to know you and all about you in new ways. Ways that will assure us and free us to live gratefully and hopefully today, tomorrow, and every day. 
And oh God, we pray all of this with a confidence knowing that you are a God who knows our needs even before we had the courage to place those needs upon our lips. And hear us now, O oh God, as we join our hearts and our voices together, praying the prayer that you taught your disciples, praying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Amen. Thank you for that gift of music, choir. I invite you now to turn your attention to the reading of the gospel, uh, the gospel according to Luke. I'll be reading from chapter 3. Hear these words. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning God, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the word of God for all of God's children. Thanks be to God. Let us respond by singing together, Emmanuel.
you join me in a spirit of prayer? Oh God, for the gift of these ancient and holy words, we give you thanks. We ask that you open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to receive the message you would have for us today. We pray this in the very holy name of Christ Jesus. Amen. So I'm curious, when you come baptism, which would you rather hear? On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? This is from the United Methodist version of the baptismal liturgy. Or would you rather hear this? You brood of vipers. (laughs) Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. That, of course, from John the Baptist's version of baptismal liturgy. As we follow John's ministry that's been recorded for us throughout the Gospels, we quickly realize he is not one to mince words. I suspect that he would be one of those types of people where you knew exactly where you stood with him. He's direct. He doesn't soften or water down the message, and he's pretty edgy. And the crowds responded. There was something about his approach, the words that he offered, the message that he shared, as hard as it may have been to hear, that gave the people hope. People living hard lives, poor, oppressed, in many ways imprisoned by the imperial rule, hope showed them glimpses of God's reign of justice, of liberation. Hope instructed them on how they were to be a part of God's redemptive story. Hope in the midst of the hardness of the edginess of life, hope, peace, and joy Words that are anything but benign, lifeless, and neutral. And John was anything but benign, lifeless, and neutral. My first year of ministry, I had the opportunity to travel to the Holy Land. I got to spend 10 days with almost 100 people from churches around the West Ohio Conference, including some newly commissioned and ordained pastors. We moved at breakneck speed throughout Israeli and Palestinian territories as we got to explore sites from the stories that we find in both the Old and New Testaments. We began in the northern part of Israel and made our way south. Midway through the trip, we ended up in Jerusalem and used the old city as a home base for the rest of our trip. One day, we went into Bethlehem to visit the field of shepherds along with the Church of the Nativity. Now, just in case you may be geographically challenged like I am, the city of Bethlehem is located in the Palestinian territory known as the West Bank. It sits right outside of Jerusalem. The city is surrounded by a tall, 
thick cement wall which separates Palestine from Israel. Now, depending on who you talk to, you will hear the wall described as the wall of protection or the wall of apartheid. In order to enter or exit the West Bank, everyone is required to go through an Israeli military-guarded checkpoint. The process, the images, the reality of life in this region was jarring. It is a far cry from the idyllic, peaceful images artists have created over the years of Jesus' birth. Calm, sweet, innocent images that we hold in our mind and our hearts. Bethlehem is anything but benign, lifeless, and neutral. The prophets of old, people like John, were less about predicting the future and more about sharing the voice of God in the midst of current conditions. The current conditions of the people were bleak, crushing oppression with the heel of the Roman Empire pressing down, the rich exploiting the workers, tax collectors skimming off the top, political officials with too much power, worship of the empire, worship of the emperor. John's words were in direct opposition to the powerful. There's a reason John was eventually beheaded, and it wasn't simply because people didn't like him. His message was one which sparked action in the lives who heard it and took it seriously. His message sparked fear in the lives of the powerful. His odd and charismatic ways could easily have instigated an uprising among his followers, threatening the very powers of the empire. Instead, John points to one more revolutionary than him. Hope is a powerful tool for those on the fringes. Hope is a powerful tool for those who are hurting. Hope is a powerful tool for the hopeless. Hope changes lives. When visiting the Holy Land, it is impossible to separate the politics, the religion, and the culture. Six years later, and I still struggle how to articulate that part of the experience well. All of these areas seem to be so tightly integrated that it's difficult to discern which parts are driving actions, behaviors, and values. I don't know that it was any different 2,000 years ago. John's exhortation to the crowds who came to be baptized, the people, the tax collectors, the soldiers, everyone, was that they were not to have a passive faith. They didn't get to rely on their ancestral heritage as children of Abraham, God's chosen. John was reminding them they were not called to a benign, lifeless, neutral faith. The children of Abraham were called to a faith full of meaning, of action, of justice, 
a faith which was fair and equitable, a faith which included those on the outskirts, a faith of integrity, a faith that would require a change, a turning around, a transformation, a faith which would require an alteration of the heart. The Church of the Nativity was originally built by the Roman Emperor Constantine in the 4th century. He built it to preserve the location that is believed to be Jesus' birth site. It's endured a lot over the years, invasions, fires, and earthquakes. Today, not one, not two, but three different Christian groups have ownership of this church. They hold separate worship services in the very large, ornate basilica. Now, the church looks more like a compound than a church to me. The entryway of the church has been decreased over the years to prevent thieves from stealing the treasures found inside. This requires one to bend down in order to enter the church. It was very busy on the day that we visited the Church of the Nativity. We waited in an extremely long line to see the grotto of Jesus's birthplace. Now people from all over the world come to the Holy Land. And that day as we stood in line, we could hear a number of different uh, languages being spoken. Change your hearts, John exhorts. Turn toward God. Be the people God calls you to be. Prepare yourself for the one greater is coming. The closer we got to the grotto, the more anxious and the rowdier the crowd became. Voices were raised, body language became more animated, and all an overall sense of anticipation filled the air. As my group waited to descend into the grotto, the crowd became almost unbearable. The energy was palpable. Guests began physically pushing the line forward in order to hurry the process of witnessing Jesus' birthplace. After being pushed into the grotto, our tour guide instructed us we had just a few seconds to take pictures. Now, I should have known by this point in the trip that it was common for churches throughout the years to create a shrine over these holy sites. This was done to honor and commemorate, as well as to preserve this supposed site for future generations. I was taken aback, though, when I saw the ornate shrine in the grotto. It was nothing like the artist representations that I've held in my head for so many years. Afterwards, I cried as I stood in the middle of the church waiting for the rest of my group to finish their turn in the grotto. What I thought would be this joyful experience turned into harsh feelings of disappointment and frustration. It felt anything but sacred or holy. Change your hearts. Turn toward God.
The one greater is coming. The one who will show true hope, true peace, true joy. Joy is a choice. It's a state of being. It's not dependent on circumstances or events. The Apostle Paul got this. While imprisoned, he wrote to his beloved church at Philippi. He encouraged them saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Change your hearts. Turn toward God. Hope, peace, and joy are there for you, for these are the fruits of a changed heart. After the visit to the Church of the Nativity, we made the short drive back to Jerusalem. We had been informed that we would be returning to Bethlehem in small groups that evening to dine with some Palestinian Christians in their homes. That evening, after our tour buses had safely crossed the checkpoint and we were once again in Bethlehem, numerous cabs showed up to usher the nearly 100 people to homes around the city. As we drove to our host's home, our driver shared a little bit of his story and a little bit about contemporary Bethlehem. Upon arriving at our host's apartment, we were greeted by the father of the home. My traveling companions and I carried on conversations with our hosts, learning about their lives in Bethlehem and through their limited English skills and our very limited Arabic, we heard some of their story as Christians living in a predominantly Muslim region. Throughout the evening, we learned that their family has owned land in Jerusalem for generations. It is land they can see from the window of their home. It's just beyond the tall, concrete, barbed wire, military-guarded wall that separates Bethlehem from Jerusalem. They are not permitted to visit their ancestral land because of travel restrictions on Palestinians into Israel. They went on to share their hope, their joy, that they had just learned their daughter had received special permission to leave the West Bank. She was going to be able to study abroad this opportunity would open up her world in ways that theirs never could be. Change your hearts. Turn toward God. The one who is greater is coming. We are called to live out a faith that is alive, colorful, and confident, 
a faith that speaks hope into the hard and hurting places, a faith that embodies peace in the, in the midst of anxiety and turmoil, a faith that exudes joy no matter the circumstance or event, a faith that rejoices in the Lord always. When our hearts are turned toward God, we can't help but see the blessings. We can't help but give thanks to God. We can't help but to rejoice. Turn your hearts toward God. Prepare yourself for the one who is greater is coming. Hope is on the way. Peace is on the way. Joy is on the way. Christ will be here soon. Are you prepared? Amen. When our hearts are turned towards God, we can't help but see the blessings that God has prepared for us. I invite us to celebrate that by standing together and singing our doxology. With gratitude, we return to you what is yours. You created all that is, and with love formed us in your image. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. All that we are and all that we have is a trust from you. And so, in gratitude for all your gifts, we offer you ourselves and all that we have, and union with Christ offering for us. By your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all your world. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
hearts toward God. And then as you leave this place, turn your hearts outward to God's world. Go in peace and share God's love, hope, peace, and joy with the world. Let the world see the fruit of your faith. Go in peace, my friends. Amen.